Third, we're going to wrap up Micah today. We live in a world, it's no secret, we live in a world that's increasingly unwelcome to Christians. In the news and in movies and media, we are the butt of many jokes portrayed as backwards, old-fashioned. We're told repeatedly that we are on the wrong side of almost everything. Our morals are outdated, a relic from the past. We're on the wrong side of history. There's a real fear today that if you say the wrong thing, that you could be the next to be canceled or lose your job. And every now and then, the unthinkable happens. Some Christian in the public eye falls. Maybe it's a moral failure of some kind. And while the eternal state of every believer is secure in Christ, it doesn't mean that we don't suffer for our sin now in the form of the loving discipline of the Lord. This can be a dark place, especially if your fall is made public. The world eats this up. It doesn't miss a chance to rejoice over believers who stumble. And yet, even in the darkest of times, no matter how bad things get, the true follower of Christ will always have a song to sing. Like Paul and Silas in prison and in chains for preaching the gospel, in that dark time they chose to sing. And you can sing too in whatever dark season you may find yourself in. As we conclude this series in the book of Micah today, we're going to look at a song that you can sing in the darkness. So go ahead, grab your Bibles, open them up with me to Micah chapter 7. We'll start in verse 8, and I'll read through to the end of the book, verse 20. If you need a Bible, please use one of our pew Bibles. You'll find the passage today on page 928. Once you're there, I invite you to please stand with me if you're able, out of reverence for the Word of God, and follow along with me as I read. Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against him. Until he pleads my cause and executes judgment for me, he will bring me out to the light. I shall look upon his vindication. Then my enemy will see and shame will cover her who said to me, Where is the Lord your God? My eyes will look upon her. Now she will be trampled down like the mire of the streets. A day for the building of your walls. In that day the boundary shall be far extended. In that day they will come to you from Assyria and the cities of Egypt and from Egypt to the river, from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. But the earth 
will be desolate because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. Shepherd your people with your staff, the flock of your inheritance, who dwell alone in a forest in the midst of a garden land. Let them graze in Bashan and Gilead as in the days of old. As in the days when you came out of the land of Egypt, I will show them marvelous things. The nations shall see and be ashamed of all their might. They shall lay their hands on their mouths. Their ears shall be deaf. They shall lick the dust like a serpent, like the crawling things of the earth. They shall come trembling out of their strongholds. They shall turn in dread to the Lord our God, and they shall be in fear of you. Who is a God like you? pardoning iniquity and passing over transgression for the remnant of his inheritance. He does not retain his anger forever because he delights in steadfast love. He will again have compassion on us. He will tread our iniquities underfoot. He, you will cast all your sins into the depths of the sea. You will show faithfulness to Jacob and steadfast love to Abraham as you have sworn to our fathers from the days of old. This is the word of the Lord, a lamp to your feet and a light to your path. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the prophet Micah and for the circumstances through which these words come to us. Holy Spirit, be a light to our eyes that we may behold and and see marvelous things from your word this morning. Holy Spirit, may your word be used effectively to quicken our hearts and to make us more like Jesus. We pray these things in his name. Amen. Can I have a seat? So last week we looked at the lament that Micah wrote to give words to God's people, to grieve their sin and God's coming judgment and their eventual exile. And I mentioned last week that one of the features of laments in the Bible is the fact that they are often paired and followed uh, on the heels by a, a hymn of praise, a song of praise. And that's what we find here in Micah. We find a song here to end this book. But the words that precede this, there are words that owned their failures, how corrupt to the core they had become. And yet, Micah ends his lament in verse 7 saying, As for me, I will look to the Lord. I will wait for the God of my salvation. My God will hear me. And now in verse 8, Micah transitions to give a song now for God's people to sing in dark times. I can just imagine God's people by the Chibar Canal in Babylon in exile singing this song. I want to show you from this text this morning three reasons that followers of Jesus can sing in dark times. The first one is this. 
from dark to light. I love how Micah boldly tells his enemies not to rejoice over me. He anticipates their mocking and addresses it head on. I think of the mocking that King Hezekiah endured from the Assyrian king's spokesman, the Rabshakeh. He says this to the king uh, with, with an earshot of the people on purpose. He wants the people to hear these words. He says, until I come and take you away to a land like your own, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards, a land of olive trees and honey that you may live and not die. And do not listen to Hezekiah when he misleads you by saying, the Lord will deliver us. Has any of the gods of the nations ever delivered his land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Hamath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharvaim, Hena, and Eva? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among the gods of the lands have delivered their lands out of my hand? That the Lord should deliver Jerusalem out of my hand. This is contemporary to Micah. This has to be in Micah's mind as he's writing this. But Micah says to his enemies, don't rejoice over me because I may be down, because I will rise. I will rise. I may be sitting in darkness now, but my God will be a light to me. Micah says that shame will cover those who say, where is the Lord your God? This is, this is a rhetorical question that essentially is saying that your God is powerless to help you. Don't call on your God. He's weak. He's sleeping. He's not paying attention. He's powerless to help you. Micah acknowledges that right now God's people are being disciplined because of their sin. And they will bear the indignation of the Lord, verse 9 says. But this is only for a time. Only for a season. Because eventually, God will plead his people's cause. And instead of executing judgment on them, he will execute judgment for them. He will bring his people from darkness into light. The Apostle Paul puts it this way to the Colossian church in Colossians 1. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Of course, Jesus does this for us. Far from being powerless, he is the one that Micah says will plead your cause in the courtroom of God. You have an accuser, your enemy, Satan, who points to all the reasons that God should throw the book at you and condemn you to hell. But Jesus takes up your cause because God executed the judgment due to you on Jesus when Jesus offered up his life in your place and died on the cross taking all your failures, all your sins upon himself in order to declare you not guilty. 
Although Jesus died, he emerged victorious, rising from the dead three days later. He overcame the deepest darkness that anyone could ever know. The grave and the full wrath of God poured out on him for the sins of the whole world. And because Jesus rose from the dead, you too will rise if you trust him to forgive your sins. And no matter how bad things get for you in this life, even if your very life is taken from you, sitting in the ultimate darkness, one day you too will rise just as Jesus rose And in that day, those who said, where is your God, will be covered in shame. Those who rejected the Lord will be trampled down. It will be the great eternal reversal. You who were brought low for a time will rise up for all eternity. And those who rejected God and exalted themselves for a time will be trampled down for all eternity. This is why God's people can sing, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. And you can sing this too by faith in Jesus. When you fall into sin, maybe you blow it big time. You might be wondering to yourself, can God really forgive that? Can anyone really forgive that? And your enemy, the devil, is kicking you while you're down, rejoicing over you and saying, where is your God? In those seasons, you can sing, rejoice not over me, O my enemy. Because you know that your suffering is temporary, that God will one day take up your cause and raise you up for all eternity. That's a good reason to sing. Here's the second one. Here's the second reason you can sing in a dark season. You have a bright future. By faith in Jesus, you are a citizen of Christ's kingdom. And verse 11 says that there will be a day when the borders of that kingdom will be far extended. In that day when Jesus returns, it will be made plain to all who is on the right side of history. Verse 12, the exiles scattered across the globe and the people from all nations will come to the Lord from sea to sea and from mountain to mountain. And this is exactly what Micah said would happen in chapter 4. Remember these words. It shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the house of the Lord shall be established as the highest of the mountains. It shall be lifted up above the hills and people shall flow to it. And many nations shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. But notice the contrast here in verse 13. The earth will be desolate. 
because of its inhabitants for the fruit of their deeds. Here's the thing. There is such a thing as a climate crisis, but it's not, the cause is not greenhouse gases. And the solution is not becoming more green. It's morality that ultimately affects ecology. This is exactly what God said after Adam and Eve sinned in Genesis 3. Because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. Or listen to how Hosea puts it, maybe more clearly than that even. Hear the word of the Lord, O children of Israel, for the Lord has a controversy with the inhabitants of the land. There is no faithfulness or steadfast love and no knowledge of God in the land. There is swearing, lying, murder, stealing, and committing adultery. They break all bounds. All bloodshed follows bloodshed. Therefore the land mourns and all who dwell in it languish and those and, and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and even the fish of the, of the sea are taken away. So here you see a direct result of the sin of the people affecting the land. So if you care about the earth, turn to the Lord. Don't buy an electric vehicle. Because verse 14 says that he will shepherd his people and they will dwell not in desolate lands like the nations that reject God, but they'll dwell in a forest, in a garden land. You will have all that you need. And that's the point of the reference to grazing in in Bashan and Gilead. These places were famous for their luxurious grasslands and their prized cattle. So the picture here is of God's people dwelling in a beautiful garden paradise. All their needs are met. And there's more. Verse 15 says, The Lord will show you marvelous things, like in the days when he delivered his people from slavery in Egypt. Think about the moment God's people are crossing through the Red Sea on dry land and the armies of Pharaoh are pursuing them. It's not looking good. It's not looking good until that moment when God closes the waters over the armies of Pharaoh. And it's that realization that all their might was for nothing. All their might was for nothing. Here's here's how I like to think this might be today. Uh, Have you ever watched a sporting event and a player or a team just does something truly incredible? You ever been there? You're in your living room with some friends and you just... Whatever how you just cause you to jump on your feet and shout and whatever, right? For me, you're going to have to bear with me here, all right? For me, as a Patriots fan, 
February 1st, 2015, the Patriots were playing the Seahawks in Super Bowl 49. And my team, the Patriots, they were winning 28-24, to but the Seahawks were on the goal line with only seconds to go. And they had one of the best running backs in the league. Defeat seemed inevitable. But instead of running the ball, the Seahawks ran a passing play that was intercepted in the end zone to end the game. If you could have been there in my living room, you would have seen me on my feet, shouting in disbelief and awe at what just took place. If you were a Patriots fan, you witnessed something marvelous and you were ecstatic. If you were a Seahawks fan, you were stunned and speechless. I'll give you something, okay? So, Patriots, Giants, right? For me, this was devastating. But for you, this was marvelous. Somehow, Eli Manning escapes that pocket. I don't know how. That play seemed like it took 10 years. Gets out of the pocket, hurls the ball down the field. David Tyree catching a ball on his helmet as he falls to the ground, maintaining control. I don't know. That was... That was devastating. I was speechless. Uh, you all were probably shouting in your living rooms, right? But the point is, you witnessed something marvelous. You witnessed something marvelous. And I think, take that feeling and multiply it by a million. And that's how we'll all be responding to the marvelous things that God will show us when he shows us the full salvation of the Lord But those who rejected the Lord, who were comfortable in their sin, who were mighty on the earth, maybe CEOs of tech giants, when they witnessed the marvelous salvation of the Lord, all their might will crumble in their hands and they will be ashamed, speechless. Verse 7 says that their fate will be the same as that crafty serpent, the devil. Sorry, 17. They will come to the Lord trembling, not in joy. They will turn to the Lord in dread, coming out of their strongholds. But in that day, they will know what side of history they were really on. Don't be like the people In verses 16 and 17, be like the people in verse 12 and in chapter 4. Everyone will come to the Lord on that day. Some will come in ecstatic joy, but others will come trembling and in fear. And the difference between the two is what you decide to do about Jesus. Trust his death and his resurrection to forgive your sins and to make you right with God. And you will come with joy on that day. Reject him and live your life apart from him. And justice will come for you, not to you, on that day. And you will come to the Lord in dread. Stop rejecting Jesus. Trust him to forgive you. 
So a bright future. That's the second reason to sing. Here's the third reason to sing. No more night. In verse 18, the final words of Micah begin with a rhetorical question. And this question is the meaning of Micah's name, which also opened the book. So here you have this rhetorical question at the beginning and at the end of Micah's book. The question is, who is like the Lord? In chapter 1, this question was a cause for grief. As Micah surveyed the land and saw that no one shared the character of God. No one was like God. But here, at the end, this rhetorical question is a cause for worship. This final question gives the last word and response to that question that began this song, that called God's character into question. This final stanza of Micah's song concludes as such a mighty and incredible crescendo. Verses 18 and 19 magnify the Lord by lifting up seven of his qualities. Now understand something about this. In in Hebrew poetry, the symmetry of a list like this serves a purpose. The purpose is to draw special attention to the central item in the list, which would be number four in our list of seven things here. So here's the list. He pardons iniquity. He passes over transgression. He does not stay angry forever. He delights in steadfast love, that Hesed love that we've been talking about. Number five, he will again have compassion on us. Number six, he will tread our iniquities underfoot. Number seven, he will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. Notice that number four is the emphasis here. The major theme of Micah, God's hesed love, his loyal, faithful, never giving up, covenant love for his people. And out of that central aspect of God's character, everything else flows. Everything else flows. So the response to the question of God's enemies, where is the Lord your God is this, because of Hesed love, he's found on a cross, but his tomb is empty. He's found pardoning and passing over your sin that his anger would be satisfied. He's found treading your iniquities underfoot as a vanquished foe. He's found casting your greatest enemy, your own sin, into the depths of the sea like Pharaoh's army swallowed up by the seas never to be seen again. And just like that, on that day when Christ returns, your sins will be no more. The night will be over and you will walk with God in perfect light. Revelation 22.5 puts it this way, and the night will be no more. They will need no light of lamp or sun, for the Lord God will be their light, 
They will reign forever and ever. That's a song worth singing. Even in the darkest seasons of your life. I conclude now with verse 20. God will show faithfulness to Jacob and hesed love to Abraham. Now typically, in biblical writings, these two words are are found together, but they're flipped around. Steadfast love and faithfulness. You see that over and over again. The steadfast love and faithfulness of the Lord. But here, I believe Micah flips them around on purpose because he wants to conclude his song on that hesed note. The steadfast love of the Lord. That hesed love that never gives up on his people. Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise to Abraham. He's the seed of Abraham that is a blessing to all the nations. And Jesus offers you his greatest blessing, the forgiveness of your sins at the cost of his blood and the empty tomb. Stop walking apart from God. Come to Jesus and be forgiven. Make his song your song. And on that day, you will come to him with joy and not trembling. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you that while we may for a season sit in darkness because of our own sin or the sin of others committed against us and our enemies may rejoice over us, thank you that it is temporary. Thank you that you will deliver us from the dominion of darkness and transfer us into the kingdom of your light. Thank you that you take up our cause. Thank you that you execute judgment for us. That your wrath for our sin was poured out on your son. That he bore the wrath of God for the sins of the world that he might reconcile us to himself. Thank you, God, that we will come to you, that we will dwell secure in a garden paradise where all of our needs will be met, not in desolation like the rest of the world. Father, thank you that on that great day, on that final day, when our salvation will be complete, we will come to you running, skipping with joy, because of the marvelous deeds of the Lord where your mighty arm and outstretched hand will save your people finally and it will be shown that we are on the right side of history and that our God is not powerless and that he will save. Thank you, God, that we can sing this song. Thank you for your hesed love, your faithful, loyal, never giving up, covenant love for your people. Thank you that you never give up on us, no matter how hard we fall, no matter how bad we stumble. And we thank you that on that day, our struggle with sin will be no more. Our sins will be cast into the depths of the sea, never to be seen again. We will walk with you in light.
Come quickly, Lord. What a day that will be. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.